This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Uh, yeah, it's great. Have you eat it, ate it recently? It's fucking delicious. Yeah, it's great. It's the only reason to be alive. I, I feel like that's debatable, but... Uh, okay. In in my in my order of, of needs, right? My, my your, pyramid your of needs. Your Maslow's hierarchy? My Maslow's hierarchy. Colin's hierarchy. Not this fucking Maslow piece of shit. Colin's hierarchy. The very top, the very top, the very point, it's coming. And then right below that is weed slash alcohol and then right below that is peanut butter all right so peanut butter is your basic need so you're it's my most basic need so you're a dog that smokes weed and drinks because you have the same hierarchy forgot about coming oh well yeah dogs come colin yeah i'm sorry what dog dogs can come too oh i'm sorry senator i wouldn't know that i'm not a pervert how would they make children they don't lay eggs colin Listen, even animals that lay eggs can come. I don't yeah, concern they come myself the with the personal, private affairs of a private citizen in this country, okay? I'm not here digging around trying to get their personal information, and, and I'm not gauging how they pass that genetic information to other people. You know, uh, speaking of genetic information and how to pass it on, I feel like now's a good time to start the show. Hi, howdy, howdly doodly neighbors. How are you doing? Welcome to Worst in the Industry, where this absolute pig pen of proletariat losers talks to you in the series of squeaks and oinks we call language in an attempt to translate garbage information. My name is Colin Stanley, and today, I want to fucking kill myself. To my right... Uh, my name is Justin St. Peter, and I don't want to die today because I have an assortment of cured meats. To my right... And uh, my name's Tyler, and yeah, you know, I could go either way. In today's episode, it's going to be a Colin-centric episode. Play the, play the chime. There's a little jingle I wrote for you. It's just me whispering very gently into a microphone, Tyler. Uh, it's a Colin-centric episode. Yeah. In this episode, we're going to be covering uh, 23andMe, which is a novel company. It's uh, part of my ongoing crusade to make the podcast completely unsponsorable can't trust myself not to take corporate money and so i'm actively preventing it from being ever a possibility at least you're finally admitting to it <laughs> i'm weak i'm weak and my heart is brittle uh, my heart is brittle my brain is made of cottonwood 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 very porous incredibly flammable uh <laughs> all right without further ado let's get started so, uh, 23andMe, as you guys may know, is a, um, well, it's kind of, you know what? That's actually kind of part of it. I can't really boil down the kind of company they are. They are a genetic testing company. That is, on paper, what they technically, they, they, they will, you send them a sample, and they will break down, uh, what your, your genome is, basically. They, you know, the series of, of, uh, G's and A's and T's and whatnot. Now, theoretically, this should also be how they make their money theoretically but how does it a company that makes money how does a company i ask you that sells genetic testing kits pretty much at fucking cost how do they make fucking money it would seem like it would seem like they have to do something with all the information they're collecting i could never okay i could never picture them in the context of our show be doing anything nefarious since we're talking about them why no, i'm bringing them up anyone... for no reason who is collecting genetic information, do anything nefarious with that. There is no historical precedent for this at all. Wait. Exactly. So, um, we're going to start with just kind of the idea, the overview. So, in 2006, uh, 20 me, 23andMe was founded by three people. Uh, Linda, uh, uh, Avi, Paul, Kusenza, and Anne Wojcicki. Now, Anne Wojcicki... She's going to be the one we focus on because she's now the only uh, founder left still associated with the company. Are the other ones so, dead or what happened? 
No. The other ones did what most scumbag lizard people do. They get a different job. Mm, okay. <laughs> Politicians yet or future? No, actually. So, uh... Oh, they're just moving on to another startup they can yeah, sell? Yeah, Paul Cusenza... So these are all people who, so they, they're they founders of a of a genome testing company, a company that ostensibly all they're supposed to do is collect data and then regurgitate uh, relevant points to you. Uh, but all the people here, for the most part, don't have a background in, actual, in the actual, like, thing. None of them, like, worked in research labs. Ah. Uh, the closest, I believe, they get is... Um, Linda, she, uh, Linda and Anne both had, uh, medical backgrounds, but only insofar as the business and administrative end of Gotcha, so they're a lot like Elizabeth, yeah, they're like Elizabeth Holmes. Exactly. Nothing They're just like, it's, it is, I know I say this literally every fucking episode, but everything is so interconnected. (laughs) These are the exact same type of people as Elizabeth Holmes, they're just supremely more competent, like, they're just better at doing it, which is why 23andMe's lasted so long. Also... Maybe not so incidentally, uh, in 2007, Google invested $3.9 million, and Ann Wojcicki was, at the time, the spouse of uh, Google founder uh, Sergey Brin, I believe his name is. Hmm. So, um, that's, you know, that's fine, whatever. It's private companies. Private companies do whatever they want. Whoever's the the head of them, they just willy-nilly throw around, you know, millions and millions of dollars. It doesn't matter. It's fine. So... Um, 27, or 2007, Google invests almost $4 million. They're really kind of gaining steam. Uh, you see in the way that a lot of these, like, tech companies do in the early stages is they start, like, very small, small, uh, like, person-wise, but with a large capital investment, like an initial, well, little nest egg. And then the second they make friends with somebody in Silicon Valley or their networking pays off, all the money starts fucking rushing in and just grows exponentially year after year after year without them really having to do a ton. Yeah. Like, you really don't have to show any material return. You just have to show potential for later return. So a lot of times, you know, people talk about investing and risk management and shit like that. It's gambling. This is all fucking gambling. At the end of the day, when you talk about, like, selling stocks or bonds trading on commodities uh or investing in a startup it's all fucking gambling you're more or less opening up a loot box yeah the only difference is that gambling is actually taxed and regulated uh which we need a higher capital gains tax and this this episode kind of shows that um so in 2007 they get all this money uh and at this point and by 2009 uh ann wochitsky she's the only uh of the three initial founders left she's currently ceo of the company uh, and that's where she was back then. So she's she's maintained that spot. She hasn't done the thing that you see with a lot of founders turn CEOs, uh, where they eventually quote unquote retire to the board of investors and like relinquish their position. She hasn't done that yet. So you know that twenty three and me isn't in a ton of trouble. Usually CEOs do that when when they realize like I don't want to be in the hot seat when shit goes bad. I just want to reap in the fucking change. She hasn't hit that point yet. So once she does, you'll probably see her hit the board of investors, and then probably 23andMe isn't going to be long for this world, uh, at least as as it is now. Probably not. Buff um, Boy Bezos just took that move recently, didn't he? I'm pretty sure. I think it might be to protect himself from what happened when his wife divorced him, where probably. she took half his fucking money. Uh, you know, like, f- what, 50? It was like... 50 billion dollars or something like that or like 100 billion dollars it was it was a or sorry 500 billion dollars it was a crazy amount because he would he'd just become a trillionaire oh so it's like when people get divorced and they sell porsches for like 100 dollars to their friend he hasn't become a trillionaire yet i'm pretty sure with uh being on the board of investors your assets are like classified differently because you're it's ownership at a company like you have a there's like rules there's like more rules than just like half goodbye yeah if you're an accountant or anybody who has knowledge about tax law, about these kind of things, uh, feel free to reach out at worstintheindustrypodcast at gmail.com. We desperately need more information. We also need help with our taxes next year. So if that would be helpful. If you want to do some pro bono work for a bunch of fucking idiots, 
uh, or we might be able to pay you. We'll see. If if you can determine whether or not paying you is something we can write off on our taxes, we'll be able to pay you. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us up. <laughs> so uh, by 2012, 23andMe had been able to uh, over double um, their initial uh, capital investment. So they had over $100 million in capital uh, in the company. So that means they started with tens of millions of dollars. They had a shit ton of money yeah. uh, already. Which lends credence to the fact that, you know, when people say, oh, you know, capitalism's great because it breeds innovation, because it opens up the free market for all potential players and all potential investors and all potential entrepreneurs. It's not true, because you see time and time again the companies that actually make substantial and uh, self-preserving amounts of money are the ones that already had a lot of money to begin with. The bar is very, very high. That's why every zipper is YKK. Every goddamn zipper. I'm coming for you, YKK, someday. So in 2012, so it's it's been about a half a decade since, uh, a little over a half a decade since 23andMe is founded at this point. Um, and you start to see it like gain a lot of traction. There's more and more people who are buying into their products. They, this is when they started dropping the price of their test kits pretty substantially. So I don't know if you guys remember when they started, it was like three or $400 uh, for any kit. I think this is when they first rolled out their $1 and $200 test kits. Um, just for so, them to tell like, you how much Mick you are. Well, that's the thing, right? So we're gonna get to that. So I, cause I, I right now I'm just doing a, an overview, yeah. like a like a chronological thing. Then we're gonna get into all the fucking bullshit about these fucking test kits. Oh boy, can't what. wait for that. I tell you what. So, uh, 2012, they have all this money. Um, they're starting to slash the price for the test kits to boost their sales even higher. And it's it's still really not clear how are these people gonna make their fucking money back at this point 23andme is really not doing a ton in terms of like offering diverse services all they're really saying is we're a genealogy service and then they also say like they're starting to talk about like likelihoods of your health so uh, i think like the quote of the time is like find out about your health today yeah so you i, I found this blog post from uh a site called the legal genealogist which i can only assume is somebody who loves genealogy and is also a lawyer i would hope so because uh, that's otherwise a weird stipulation to put on that and the, the <laughs> no actually i'm a plumber i'm a black market genealogist which means yeah in my free time i'm a plumber i want to see the uh, illegal genealogist the illegal genealogist. <laughs> he's, he's like he's like the john brinkley of genealogy he's like oh yeah i got a genealogy degree and all this and that and this and that and have you ever thought about putting goat testicles inside you it's you're see, thought, descended from king arthur and also you should fuck your sister i thought Mossad <laughs> was like the illegal genealogist because, like, <laughs> tracking down all those nazis <laughs> sorry i meant to say they're the extra judicial uh, genealogist not illegal extrajudicial extrajudicial that's it i was on international waters when i did genealogy that one time <laughs> i filled out a family tree in the middle of the pacific ocean i'm the uh, i'm the maritime genealogist uh <laughs> so i start to talk about these health things but there's this blog post for the legal genealogist um just go like they basically they do the thing that people did when we started invading iraq where they're like calm down calm down you're you're it's, freaking out over you're nothing overreacting there's no possible way this could be anything other than just profiteering yeah and they don't complain, worry wmds uh, they complain about uh two specific states in regards to their their regulations uh on things like this so uh they're they specifically talk about new york and maryland state um Maryland, New York, uh, they have these laws that prohibit um, certain aspects of 23andMe's business model. So in, in New York at the time, you could buy a 23andMe test kit, and you could uh, sell somebody a 23andMe test kit who was in New York State, but you couldn't submit a sample, receive a sample from that person, or ship it out of New York. So basically, if you wanted to take a 23andMe test in New York in 2012... You had to get it shipped to you, cross the border into Connecticut or New Jersey, spit in the fucking tube, ship it out to, to uh, um, 23andMe, and make sure that your the return address was also in the place that you submitted the sample. So it was like when Kramer uh, filled up Newman's 
a postal delivery vehicle with all the cans and went to Michigan to get the 10 cent deposit on it. <laughs> Especially in, uh, in this case, the reason for that is because New York State has specific laws about, hey, if you're collecting like data with if you're if you're collecting this kind of data with medical equipment it has to go to these certified labs that have state certifications makes sense because there has because you're fucking dealing with somebody's bodily fluids and their personal property regulation is important the idea of your body and your body's information as your own property is something that a lot of people take for granted but that 23 and me didn't take for granted it's what's the core of their entire fucking business model uh, is ownership and property rights. Um, so New York State, because it has these laws, it's harder and harder for 23andMe to do business there. Maryland at the time, even worse. So you actually, you can't even order one, but because because it is technically classified as a medical kit, medical equipment, those have to be ordered through a physician or through a court order. There's no other way you can get them. So you can't even sell a 23andMe kit uh, in Maryland. And again, for good reason. You shouldn't just be having these, like, you shouldn't have a private company collecting your information. You shouldn't have that. Because they don't have an obligation to you. They don't have a responsibility. Even, like, governmental bodies and physicians, like, we see time and again where they abuse their power. But they're breaking rules when they do that. Those, these private companies don't have that in place. They don't have that rule. I just think it's funny that uh, Maryland was like, yeah, this is pretty fucked up. Like, you shouldn't be able to sell these in Michigan's. Like, put them in Target. Yeah. Put them in Target. Put them in Target. Put them in fucking Target. <laughs> so, in 2013, the FDA finally starts to, like, push back, right? So, the FDA had been involved with 23andMe. They'd done some like consulting they didn't like said hey like hey like if you're gonna send out medical kits this is like how they have to be composed yada 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 but 23andme is like they're not marketing it the way that they promised they would they, they basically had pitched it to the fda as like yeah we're gonna talk where it's gene markers but it's really for just purely genealogical purposes it's for novelty it's like oh you know what are the odds your kids are gonna be fucking gingers like as opposed to, like, what are the odds your premiums are going to go up? <laughs> like, um, so the FDA, like, issued some, you know, statements like, hey, you have to stop, at the very least, marketing these, but selling these, ideally. you got to stop. And uh, 23andMe released a statement where they basically said, we value our relationship with the FDA, uh, and then just continue to do whatever they wanted because they'd they'd come to in an I believe a correct conclusion that there really weren't weren't going to be any consequences if they kept going because they had a vague legal argument uh, that could protect them from this. We're going to get into that. The FDA wasn't going to come kicking down any doors in this case. No, they aren't gonna. They aren't gonna Waco twenty three and me like they are gonna do to me one day. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's gonna be us because we've talked about it. So all three yeah. of us are gonna get fucking Wacoed. Yeah, they're gonna Waco our compound at some point. No, I'm just gonna be, be in my boxers be on my front lawn be... like. <laughs> I want my attorney. I want my attorney. We're gonna we're gonna set like a March Madness bracket and be like, all right, which acronym? It would be the coolest to get Wacoed by. Which one of these obscure armed government agencies are we going to get besieged by? My my bet is on USPIS. Yeah, USPIS. I'd like I USPIS. Hope it, I hope it's the Forestry Service. They got those fun hats. We get fucking surrounded by park rangers. If a park ranger gunned me down in front of my family, that'd be great. Just like throws an incendiary grenade into my fucking house. That'd be sick as hell. Get shot in the head with a tear gas canister. Cut, splatters my Smokey, Smokey the Bear poster, ironically enough. Oh. <laughs> so by, uh, uh, so in 2013, that's when, like, this argument, that's when, like, when all of a sudden, like, they disregard this FDA, um, you know, request, and, like, more and more people are starting to buy into it. That's when these arguments start to kind of get brought up in the mainstream, like, hey, um, the information you give back to the people who send you their DNA it's not all the information. They're not like sending like a breakdown of your genome and they're not sending you everything. They're just sending you like, we think you might be from Moldova. Also, 
you kids are gonna be blonde, but guess what? You could have looked in a mirror for that, Janet, you fucking moron. It's it's more than that. Your your DNA has everything that you are in it. It it can determine literally fucking everything about you. From your physical features to your physical health to certain aspects of your mental health. Yeah, of course. And and not only that, it it also gives up other people's information. When you send in your DNA, they get pieces, and not insignificantly sized pieces, of your parents' DNA, of your siblings' DNA, if you have kids, if you have cousins, everybody. Anybody who's related to you, they get at least a fucking piece. So, if, you know, for me, I have two siblings. If both of my siblings gave 23 and me their DNA samples, they don't even need to take mine to have my information. They can put out a pretty good fucking composite because they have a mixture of genes from my parents and two separate sources for them. And keep so in mind, from, and keep in mind that information is used. No, of course, and we're that's what we're gonna start talking about in a minute here. Um. So, they they start. This is the kind of the point when people start like getting like, hey, 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 what exactly are you doing here? And 23andMe kind of keeps issuing these milquetoast statements like, we would never share your data with somebody without your consent. We would never sell your information to a third-party company without your consent. We would never, ever do anything untoward or unethical with the information provided to 23andMe without your consent. Because you have to fucking click agree when you buy it. And that's you consenting. And there's like a... 35-page legal document behind that agree box. That, that, even though you are agreeing to the terms of service, those terms of service are, at any time, completely revocable on the end of the business. I don't know if you guys know this. Terms of service aren't a fucking two-way street. It's it's not like, you promise to do this, and I promise to do this. No, it's, we promise that right now we say we're doing this. And if at any time we change our mind, we don't have to tell you. They literally, it's like, if you read through a fucking terms of service agreement, if you read through a fucking EULA, you will see, yeah, at the end of it, it's like, also, at any time, any of these terms can change, we don't have to disclose this. So even if you sign one day and they change their policy an hour after you've signed, you have no fucking idea. And you've just given them information that, like, just for reference, is more secure and more telling than your social security number. They can learn more about you, where you live, and who you are from your DNA than any government number. And the thing is, that's how they make their money. So they continue to like slash the price for these kits, right? They roll out like kits like, oh, if you wanna, if you just wanna know like, like what percent Mick you are, like Tyler said. You get this test. If you want to find out, like, in more detail what ethnic groups you might be part of, you t- take this test. If you want to find out all that and then, like, ha- see, like, the likelihoods of these diseases and conditions, you can get that test. They start tearing those tests out. So they start doing the Elizabeth Holmes uh, blood test menu thing. They do exactly. the same type of thing, yeah. Is there such a thing as a saliva Dracula? Yeah, it's called Colin Stanley. Anyway, uh... <laughs> no. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Colin, yeah, what are you doing? Baby. What are you doing at the bus stop every day? Collecting samples. Collecting samples. <laughs> Screaming. I collect all the Bud Light cans from the trash can to get the Colin saliva. Colin goes to a glory hole and just says, spitting this. You know, you know that, like, you know when you're at, like, uh, <laughs> like, like a baseball stadium and there's the piss trough? And then back from the, the piss trough, like, it ankles down into, like, a long drain. I'm in there. I'm in the long drain. Over from 2013 on, 23andMe is really kind of ramping up their advertisement. You'll see, like, that's when they started, like, getting a lot of podcasters to, like, sell on their platform. You saw more and more YouTube uh, advertisements for it. You weren't just... You know, it, it was becoming more uh, effusive in, like, the cultural zeitgeist. Like, Everyone's harder, harder mom was doing it. it. Everyone's yeah. mom was doing it, being like, oh, I want to know, you know, how much Mick I am. <laughs> and, like, that's 
you know, that that's also part of like their model is to seem very cute and kitschy and it's like a fun little thing to do. People love taking tests. People fucking love it. You take a BuzzFeed test, you find out what fucking Harry what type Potter of onion house, you are. Yeah. You like what kind of sexuality what kind of bread you'd like. I'm a Vidalia on... onion. Exactly. I I'm a loaf of sourdough. Whatever. It is <laughs> it is like we just like filling out forms, I feel. Like as a group. Humans just like checking boxes. So it's it's really uh it's it, like it's very infantilizing. You'll see that a lot with uh, especially now most of these companies treat you like a fucking kid. They treat you like a little baby because that's kind of how we've been socialized to act and like the kind of stimuli we're supposed to respond to is you've been a little good boy. Let me pat you on the head and give you a cookie, except the cookie is the dopamine hit from filling out this questionnaire. Like, yeah. it's they, fucked up. <laughs> they just give you the oo-woos, like, oo-woo, senpai. Oh, why don't you just spit in this tube and send it to me? Oh. <laughs> Justin's about to choke on his drink. So I think I think probably the best example... <laughs> Jesus. The, the best example of this kind of, like, infantilization and, like, really, like, normalizing something that's a lot more serious... And uh, ha- has a lot more far-reaching potential consequences um, than than they're kind of letting on to. Is in 2017 they they had an advertisement with a uh, Gru. Oh, Despicable Gru- Me from from Despicable Me. Yes, Steve Steve Carell's character Gru. Did he find out how much Nazi he is? Actually, that's covered in one of the Despicable Me movies. It's expressly stated that. Uh, they they'd been the minions of supervillains, and then for the period of time the Holocaust was happening, they were in Antarctica. Yeah, yeah. All throughout the twentieth century, the minions went to Antarctica. Conveniently, why do you guys know so much about minion lore? Is that are we doing a minion lore, mo- lore <laughs> podcast now? Is that is that we're gonna... <laughs> no? We'll do that once we start talking about DreamWorks. <laughs> so uh, by twenty seventeen, when they when they launched their Gru advertisement. Uh, they they at that point they were valued at one point seven five billion with a B dollars. They'd made a lot of fucking money uh in just over ten years. Um y- even though also, their kits their kits don't make them any money realistically. Exactly. Their kits don't make them any money. They're they're sold at under or at cost, exactly. Um so at this point, people who are starting to get nervous about twenty three and me and what they're potentially doing, um with that information is starting to reach a fever pitch and part of that is because in 2017 uh genealogy services actually caught the golden state killer yeah so the golden state killer uh also known as the east side rapist also known as the original night stalker was a serial killer who operated um from the late 70s to the mid 80s uh he ended up uh, raping over 40 people and he killed about a dozen yeah, people um, people it thought it was this. Case. Yeah, people thought it was the same dude as the Zodiac Killer for a little bit. They yeah, thought they it thought, might. They thought it he might have just changed his mo a little bit, and it was the same person. North. Yeah. So with the Golden State Killer, you know he he'd been a cold case for a long time, but they ended up getting these um, genetic hits from one of his relatives who'd submitted DNA for a genealogy service, and they were able to construct a family tree around the Golden State Killer. Figured out yes, it's this guy. And then they were able to pull DNA. Once they narrowed in that it was him, they were able to pull DNA um, from a coffee cup that he'd thrown away and uh, prints from uh, a car door handle. So in that case, this was kind of held up as like, oh, cool. Like, this is what genealogy, this is what these these data collecting services, that's what they are. They're data aggregators. They're, they're a lot clo- more closely related to a company like Google, obviously in their investment in history. Or like uh, a AWS, also, like data data center kind of thing. Exactly. In their in their function, they are a. They take the DNA and store the data, and then yeah. they have the data, and do yeah. whatever the fuck they want with it. In their function, they are a data farm. Uh, you know, even though they are, you know, a genealogy company, even though they provide medical kits and medical health information, they're they they're farming data. 
Yeah, wasn't the, wasn't it the Golden State Killers? Like it was his like brother's son or something like that that yeah, submitted it. Yeah, a niece or nephew. Yeah. Yeah, which like it sound that sounds like oh you know like that sounds too far away to be like oh how did they make that connection? But it's like well his brother you know the the parents give twenty three chromosomes a piece to each kid, and so the brother of his got you know similar but different twenty three chromosomes from the mom and the dad, and then like you know. That's why your nieces or your uh, cousins look like you, but not exactly, is because they share a quarter of your chromosomes, I believe, or something like that. No, I'm not Gregor Mendel, so I don't know if how that. Works it's either out, it's either but... a quarter or an eighth or something like that. I don't remember. I don't make me do fractions anyway. <laughs> uh, it was that same year, 2017, where you started to see um, like politicians start talking about 23andMe. Because obviously Golden State Killer catching it, it's a big win for the state. It's a big win for law enforcement and for quote-unquote due process. Even though most of the work was done by amateur private investigators like Michelle McNamara, the late wife of Patton Oswalt, and uh, others. She wrote a book, uh, And I'll Be Gone in the Dark, I believe it's called. Great book, you should read it. Um, but also, just like, you know, more and more it's pretty clear that law enforcement uh, really can't do anything that's not beat the shit out of a black child you know gun them down the street uh all they're able to do is like kind of bumble around and not you know catch a prolific murderer and serial rapist because you know he was a cop too unless you're unless it's about though unless you're gil unless you're gil carrillo gil motherfucking carrillo the most boring cool detective ever (laughs) who was that uh who was the other guy it was because Gil was just there for Richard Ramirez, but the other guy also helped get in the Green River Killer. Yeah. And he was he the Hillside Strangler, too? Oh, no, Hillside he Strangler. Yeah, yes. Hillside Strangler, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> there was the cool guy, and then there was the uh, very boring Midwestern accent guy, Mexican guy from L.A., Gil Carrillo. Gil Gil Carrillo sounds like he's from Wisconsin, even though he's never left Oakland County, California. Yeah. It's wild. Um, but yeah, so Golden State, Golden State Killer gets caught. It's this huge story. Um, and so this kind of gets brought up in Congress. Uh, so current Senate, Senate Majority Leader, uh, Cuck Schumer, uh, he <laughs> would, in a, in a speech, uh, he would talk about how that Congress and politicians and the government, they're working towards uh, not, you know, regulating who 23andMe can sell their data to or how they're able to collect it or how it's used once it's sold. They're all they're pushing for. And I'll pull up the fucking actual real life quote. Senator Chuck Schumer speaking in his capacity, uh, uh, as a Senator and in regards to his constituents, he asked the federal trade commission. So he's not even pushing. He's just asking that the federal trade commission, uh, quote unquote, take a serious look at this relatively new kind of service and ensure that these companies can have clear, fair privacy policies. So he's doing the thing that Democrats do, that instead of actually achieving anything that would help anybody, they just talk about transparency, accountability. We have to hold them accountable by not doing anything and just talking about them in the media and on CNN and these fucking fluff pieces. They don't actually care about working are they just want to make it seem like they are well that's that's what things have come to is you know now people think that uh everyone being aware of something makes things better or or fixes things like just because people know about it it'll help and it's like no that's not how that works the passivity of the american people has only gotten worse over time and the fact that is we know that these companies are screwing us Uh, the fact of the matter is that like when we talk about what we do on this show, absolutely no one is surprised by the information that we put in front of them. Especially not us. We're like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Like when I was reading about Nestle's, uh, you know, chocolate child slavery, I was like, yeah, that sounds about accurate. I wasn't surprised. It's when I when I spout off uh, waste facts about Nestle to people at work, no one's, no one's shocked. Yeah. Everybody knows. So, in 2018, um, 23andMe really started to confirm a lot of the uh, completely reasonable fears and assumptions 
that people had had regarding what their business model would turn into and what they were really doing. It became very clear because in 2018, um, they made a deal with uh, GlaxoSmithKline, which is a British pharmaceutical company. And so they'd done previously with 23andMe, they'd basically, uh, they were trying to use it to figure out individualized treatments for Parkinson's. So people go, oh, that's good. But it also puts you in the, uh, puts you in the mindset that it is good that I'm sending this information in because it can be used to help people. In 2018, very similar to what uh, we talk about in John Brinkley Part 2, they, they're working with a pharmaceutical company to create tailor-made prescription cocktails for your specific battery of health uh, conditions. So, in that regard, they're, they're basically turning, um, f- like, pharmaceuticals into this, like, individualist, like, atomized industry, wherein that, you know, it, you know, oh, I take this, 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 and this, and these amounts, um, and also I'm a Capricorn. And also, um, if I took the BuzzFeed test and I'm a sourdough loaf, it's like, it's, it's to normalize that, oh, you take what I give you based on the information you've given me. It's, it's this kind of building and trust. And also pharmaceutical companies work hand in hand with insurance companies. Uh, and we're going to see down the line, uh, why this is going to be a problem. So yeah, when we talk about Sackler and fucking, uh, insulin and shit. Yeah. Oh, there'll be a whole series. I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, a series of series. They're, they're they're kind of just normalizing this gene testing. And by 2019, it starts to seem like they're doing it to such a point where on their website, they, they say, you know, hey, um, we will share your information with law enforcement if we are given a legal and compliant request. That said, we've been we've had seven requests and we've denied all of them. That's not information they have to disclose. That's not information that would make sense for them to disclose that they want to keep making money. And also, at this point, it's like over 5 million people who have bought a 23andMe test kit. And if you have siblings... So, like, at the very least, double, like, add two more people out of that, your parents. They now have enough genetic information where they can reliably make assumptions at... 15 million people if they're only getting 5 million samples obviously you know overlay depending because obviously like some siblings will get the same kit but it sounds like a pretty reasonable extension of the thought yeah and that's not even considering like with the golden state killer a nephew uh a kid like if you have kids if you have more siblings you're you're also giving away their information so it kind of expands exponentially start talking about that way and once we're at a point where this is so widespread and it's so normalized that you're buying one off the fucking shelf at Target, like Tyler said, it's going to be way easier to enforce. A lot of insurance companies, I don't know if you guys know this, when you have to undergo some very expensive um, surgeries or you have a very expensive condition that's going to take a very expensive treatment for a long period of time, there will be certain little requirements they give you if they think you're at risk or if they think... Um, you could possibly cause them more money. So, or cost them more money. So sometimes for like certain surgeries, they'll make you wear a Fitbit and you have to hit a certain amount of steps every day if they want, if you don't want your premiums to shoot up or if they, if you want them to cover a percentage of surgery that you already paid them to fucking cover. Um, they, they're now like pushing the goalpost, but because you agreed to this vast, you know, dizzying array of terms and conditions, you don't really have legal recourse to deny them. Because these genetic testing kits are becoming more and more and more available, it's more and more likely that at a certain point, insurance companies, before you uh, apply for insurance, before they confirm your application for insurance, they make you take one. That there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of reason to believe that an insurance company has the authority to request that. And then you know there there is there are certain rules in America about you can't be discriminated on. Uh, against based on genetic information or based on medical history the federal government can't do that can't quote unquote but not supposed to but they find a way around every time so like for your insurance company right if you take a 23andme test and they say that you have an 80 percent 87 percent likelihood uh 
to be susceptible to heart disease, right? And then you get insurance. You've never had heart problems. You're on your insurance. When they ask if you have heart condition, have a heart condition or susceptible to them, you say no. Because you're probably not thinking of the 23andMe test you took, you know, 18 months ago. And you've never had a heart problem. Your parents never had heart problems. Whatever. Uh, but then it turns out you have congenital heart disease five years later. Well, you took that 23andMe test, and 23andMe partners with your insurance company. Uh, so you actually lied to them in your application, and they can rescind coverage. They can shoot your premiums through the roof. They can, uh, like I said, they can drop you off entirely. Or they can refuse to cover certain treatments, saying basically stating that you lied to them, that you entered into your contract in bad faith, that you... Uh, in some cases, there, there's a, the idea of an argument that you could uh, be charged with committing fraud um, because you, you failed to provide uh, pertinent information. It's Yeah, and that's, that's disgusting, especially when you take into consideration the context of the situation that this happens in to where they're like, oh, you lied to us, so we're not covering you. And you're like, I've literally just got like diagnosed with stage four cancer. And now you're telling me that I've been paying you for years, and now that I need to use it, you're telling me to go fuck myself. It, it is a matter of need, and the second that we express that need, your insurance company will find any single way they can to weasel out of it. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because it's not it's not actually profitable to help people. It's only profitable uh, when nobody gets sick and nobody gets hurt. Which is why maybe that's... health yeah. Which is why maybe sure, uh, health insurance companies shouldn't exist and. Uh... They should yeah. all be burned to the ground, yeah. When when the question is, how much will you pay to make sure your kid survives, it's no longer a business transaction, it's a hostage situation. Yeah. You know, you, you don't really have an option. And that's why in 2018, uh, the GDPR, which is a, a medical regulation association uh, within the EU, pretty much, by and large, banned the use of 23andMe test kits and similar test kits. It wasn't, it wasn't banning in that, like, if you caught one, you go to prison or if you buy one like you're in trouble you'll you could catch in france you can catch up to a four thousand dollar fine but generally speaking it's just harder to get your hands on them and 23andme is disincentivized from marketing and selling there because there's a large bureaucratic organization stopping them it's almost like it's completely doable and america refuses to do it because they get paid too much so in 2019 um Cellmatics, which is uh, a um, another pharmaceutical company, uh, filed a suit against 23andMe, stating that they breached a, a business contract. Basically, they'd begun. Uh, Cellmatics had pitched the idea of a uh, fertility drug treatment, a fertility treatment for women, um, and they wanted to pay 23andMe for access to their genetic database, so they could better, uh, so they could tailor make these fertility treatments. And also create more generalized one uh, based on, like, aggregate data. Um, basically, 23andMe had found out after they'd signed this this agreement with Somatic saying that they wouldn't uh, work with any of their competitors. They found out how fucking um, lucrative fertility treatments were going to be. Because at this point, there's so much shit in our water and there's so much shit in our air and our food that more and more people are having trouble with fertility. It's something we talked a little bit about in the Nestle episode with all the microplastics and all the, and also something we talk about in Monsanto and Bayer with all these chemicals that are being spread across our food and our water supplies that it's actually damaging people's reproductive systems. Well, at this point, instead of fixing those core issues, they're, they're now developing more products to sell on top of that, to, to, put a band-aid over the gunshot because it's not profitable to fix the problem it's just profitable to provide a solution to the symptoms so towards the end of 2019 um the pentagon actually released a statement urging military personnel not to take a 23andme or similar test kit as it could um as it could weaken the security of their operations and overall mission basically the deep state, the fucking Pentagon, the people in charge of the Department of uh, Defense and all these inner workings are all of a sudden like, oh, fuck, um, we really can't have people know that we were in certain places or that certain people are connected because now it's going to make us culpable. So we're at a point right now 
where this private organization is starting to accumulate so much data and so much and therefore so much influence that even the federal government is starting to get a little concerned with the power and the capital that they're accumulating and by 2020 23 and me is starting to see the economic fallout of making government nervous so they're they're seeing these drop-offs in consumership they're seeing these drop-offs in, in sales um and what do they do in response they funnel a bunch of money into the democratic party because if one thing uh if one thing's been consistent throughout our series throughout our show is that if a company really wants to make sure they don't get in trouble you just start paying politicians we're starting to see these regulations shoot up around us and so what does 23andme do they see hey we have an opposition party here that looks like they're going to win an election it looks like they're going to probably take control of not just uh, the white house but possibly all of congress what better group to put our money into to make sure that we're protected for at least the next four years and make sure that we're not looked into too hard hey remember when the fda under obama wasn't really going that hard at us let's keep that going if we could i'd appreciate that so we talk a lot about how you know how do they make their money you know why does it matter what's what's really the worst case right because really 23andMe appears on its face to be an innocent lark. It looks like something, hey, that'd be really fun and cute to do. That'd be just like a little interesting thing. Pay a hundred bucks. You know, it's a stocking stuffer, for Christ's sake. You take it, you spit in the cup, you find out three weeks later, oh, it turns out I'm 2% Southeast Asian. Don't, co- don't come in it. They will get upset about that. They actually do get very upset when you come. You know what? Fuck it. If you get one for Christmas, come in it. Who cares? Make like. uh, <laughs> so it's it's designed that way. It's designed to be very easily digestible, very inoffensive. That's why they had the fucking ad campaign with fucking Gru and Despicable Me, because it's kid stuff. How could it be evil if it's kid stuff? Finding yeah. out your family's from Ireland, that's cute, fun kid stuff. That's what old men in Crocs do in their garden. Like it's meant to be very sweet. That ad campaign is a lot like uh, when the Flintstones did the whole thing with uh, Viceroy cigarettes. <laughs> I smoke Viceroy's. They keep yeah. my lungs strong. Yabba dabba do. Your dentist recommends Viceroy's. That was actually one of their advertisements. Well, if you smoke a menthol cigarette, you don't have to brush your teeth. Yeah, exactly. You can even, you know, get some get some peppermint schnapps, too, and you'll be good to go. A little peppermint schnapps, a little menthol cigarette? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kills all the germs. Yeah, I, I, I smoked out all the germs, and then I cleaned away their corpses with my peppermint stops. They say it kills cells in your lungs, so it must kill the germs in there. Sure. I'm, I'm cleansing. It's like those juice cleanse that the kids do nowadays to clean out all the shit out of them. It's Instead like that, but for my... <laughs> Why do you think I hack up so much brown shit every day? <laughs> it's all the germs. Get the germs out. all the out. germs. Get the germs out. So, yeah, Have you ever heard of the seaweed tape cleanse? No. I don't want so to. You, you swallow one end of, like, a hundred feet of seaweed tape, and then over, like, three or four days, you just poop it out. No. <laughs> No, and, and, and I'm uh, a your regularly scheduled programming. So yeah, twenty three and me, they, they try to be sweet and innocent so they can cast the wide, uh, the largest net possible. They want as many consumers as possible because they're driven by the profit motive. And also, the more data points you can put in a data set, give you a, a greater overall understanding and a greater uh, like bird's eye view of trends and patterns, which makes the overall set more valuable you increase the value of discrete data points by adding more discrete data points. And uh, for the past few years, better part of a decade at this point, data has consistently generated more revenue every year than oil. And when I say data, I mean raw data. Raw data points, just like raw crude, that's what we're judging it on, not refined. Because when we talk about um, data, we talk about it the same way we talk about oil. 
it is a base resource that has value added through a refinement process. But instead of it going through these derricks and, you know, having it, having all these impurities stripped out, it's quite the opposite. It's being added within a context. You're adding things. You're adding a greater context. So, you know, just knowing, hey, this person, hey, I have this person's genetic information, that's fine. You can get some money for that. But it's a lot more profitable if you can also go, oh, yeah, also they're in a low-income area. Also, um, they're African-American. Also, they didn't graduate high school. Also, they've had the same job for 20 years. Because now you can, you can build policy around that data point. You can build these other private organizations around that data point and predatorily market, quote unquote, yourself to that person. Yeah, is, basically. Yeah, and basically you could like, you know, make a better sounding case for like eugenics shit due to it you know exactly. like a much a much less like oh you know we don't like the jews and like no it's like no like the people that you know live in these types of areas and then they can take all that data and find all those types of people and then like make it sound a lot more sciencey than you know just saying we don't like black people it doesn't yeah, just we... stop at way too specific t-shirts on facebook yeah. yeah we don't it's it's not that it's not that we hate black people we just hate people with this specific genetic marker that only, you know, 80% of black people, 10% of Mongolian people, and 10% of Polish people have. Yeah, so if we just sterilize all those people, then we won't have that genetic marker well, anymore. We we, hey, hey, we're not going to force sterilizations. What we're going to do is we're going to sell a procedure to physicians and incentivize that they provide it to these specific people. Because we're only going to do it to physicians within that area. And then we're always going to have them pitch it that way because we also have a contract with a pharmaceutical uh, company that provides the drugs for the treatment. We also have a deal with the insurance company that they're going to cover more premiums because it's going to cost them less in the long term because those people aren't going to have kids. Colin, are you running out of thumbtacks and red yarn yet? We can work that into the budget. My girlfriend promised that when, if and when we move in together, I will have a blackboard and I can smoke as much as I want onto it. Oh, you, you, you will have your own Pepe Silvio room. And I told her, I'm like, you know, like, I'm going to, like, have all my data points. I'm going to flip it around, and it's just going to say Reagan with a question mark at the end. I'm going to stare at it, erase the top part, and turn it into an exclamation point, and then nod and blow my brains out. Like, that's what's going to happen. Like the fucking milkman from Psychonauts. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, basically what, what's happening here is we're getting to a point. We talk in the Mike Lindell episode about precarity and how the money's running out and how capital is running out and that the people who didn't who never had money still don't have money it's just being it's just worse and worse if you don't have money and the people that had some money have less and less money and because conditions around them are getting worse they feel that that lack of money even worse it's the same thing here we're getting to a point where there's you can't squeeze the last few drops out of your labor and your actual production anymore so they're going to start squeezing profitability out of one of the last resources that's uh you know not fully tapped human beings they're they're going to collect more and more information on you because it's the only way to sell more things that's when people say like it's not realistic uh you know like for example robocop robocop is like great movie love it but people say it's not realistic because, hey, you, what, you think the government's just going to be evil for no reason? That doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? Like, I understand they've done X, Y, and Z awful things, but they wouldn't do it for no reason. You're like, yeah, that's right. They wouldn't do it for no reason. Because in RoboCop, it's not the government that does it. The government just sells all their shit to a private company. That's what's happening. Private companies do evil shit all the time, and it's not for no reason. It's because they make money doing it. It's because so, they're incentivized to it's, do so. It, and also, they make money from doing it, and also the government can be like, hey, we didn't specifically do this. We just gave them the means to do it. Exactly. We did, hey, we didn't even give them the means. We just, hey, we, we were selling off old infrastructure, trying to make some money for the taxpayer. We are trying to do our due diligence. We were selling off military surplus bombs. I don't know what just happened to go to terrorists. Same thing. So, yeah, I mean, today, you know, it's pharmaceutical companies like, you know, Gax and Smith Klein and, you know, uh, and insurance companies 
who are buying that information on the back end so they can deny you service or catch you in a, a technical lie that, you know, loses you your health insurance. Uh, but tomorrow it's going to be law enforcement and the DOD. In the Pinkerton episode, we talk about how they have their um, predictive crime statistics. How the FBI, the federal database for crime uh, isn't complete enough and that Pinkerton does predictive uh, analysis to fill in those gaps. It's minority report. It's fucking literally minority report. How they could fill in those gaps is with data sets like the one that 23andMe collects. It's literally the episode of Futurama where there's the Oracle that can predict future crimes and Fry becomes the cop and uh, they're, they're catching people. They're like going after people for crimes they're going to commit the next day. But yeah, like it's, 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 we're getting to a point where the, the people like, because everybody needs a piece of the pie. You know, if you have a resource, everybody needs their chance at, at extracting money out of it. It's just, as it picks up speed, everything in the world gets to a point where the military or the law enforcement, like the military industrial complex takes a look at it and goes, how can I make money off this? How can I start to make money? Yeah, we have this medication, but how can I make money off of it? Oh, I, well, I can make money off withholding it. I can make money off destroying supply chains for it in this one country. Or in these circumstances, I can make money by improving my quotas by, oh, we can now genetically tell the likelihood that you're going to commit a violent crime. So we're going to patrol those areas more often. And, and now they can't even be slapped with the racial bias argument that they they rightfully should because that's what it's based on they now have an alternate justification for it saying oh ho 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 hey well we're not we're not doing this because they're black people we're doing this because these people you can see they're genetically predisposed to violent behavior because you can tell some mental health disorders from this information you there are some predictors there and for anybody who's ever suffered suffered with mental health the idea of being involuntary, involuntarily committed is what prevents a lot of people like us from getting the help we need. Now, all of a sudden, if this information is out there, the likelihood that you're going to get involuntarily committed is way higher, which means that your your rights within society get reduced. You can't have a fucking gun. You can't buy a gun or pass a background check if you've been involuntarily committed. Fun fact. Um, I burned one bitch in, in college. and I burned one bitch in college. <laughs> I love all my study. <laughs> You she burn one, bitch! She had it coming. She did have it coming. <laughs> so it's... All you're doing is you're providing the tools and the resources for somebody to fuck you. You're you're loading the gun and handing it to a cop who's paid per the bullet. On top of the idea that all of this is just to make money, and on top of the real personal outcome it's going to have for you medically... It's also going to have these outcomes that influence society, the way communities are built. Hey, I don't want my daughter, you know, marrying this kid who's genetically predisposed to X, Y, or Z. So I'm going to prevent them from getting married. I'm going to prevent them from seeing each other. You could start to see a world where you start to genetically segregate people, not just based on visual markers like race, but a whole slew of things. You've basically created a workaround for eugenics you've created a system wherein you've you've compiled a data set to sell it and the eventual outcome of these things is for people to actually use the data that you're collecting people and especially you'll see this time and time again in tech companies but people in general there's this uh this blindness and it seems almost intentional where they talk about what we can do, but not about what we should do. They never talk about, you know, a moral obligation. They never talk about an ethical obligation because they're driven by profit motive. And creating more profit for them and their investors is the only thing on paper they have to do. That's why you see all these, like, high-up officers, like, they're either severely, like, mentally ill, have trouble with addiction, like, have trouble with, like personal mental health they have these fucking breakdowns they're in these awful relationships where they are either abused or abusers or sometimes both or they're like jeff bezos and they're just like blank robot people and they like eat an iguana with a fucking smile on their face like you are either ravaged 
uh, by the knowledge that you were, like, contributing to the immiseration of everybody on the planet and everybody that will come after, or you go, burr, dumber, go up. Like, those are your two, two options. So, you know, we, we know the insurance companies are going to take any chance they get to fuck you over, because that's how they're built. And we know the pharmaceutical companies do the same. And we know the Department of Defense does that. And we know law enforcement does that. We know they manufacture their own evidence all the time. We know they manufacture conditions to immiserate you all the time. So really, the question that this episode is trying to answer is why make it fucking easy for them? Why load the gun? Why give them the means to prosecute and persecute you? There's no reason. 23andMe may seem like a fun little thing, but that's the, that's the point. That's what happens in late capitalism. All the hard edges, all the uncomfortable truths and realities get rounded and sanded off to make it easily digestible. Because the more easily digestible something is, the more people who are going to eat it. And they want as many people to eat it as possible. And they don't care that what they're selling you is toxic. All they care is that you buy it. Well, that was a very, very enlightening look at a company that their pervasiveness seemed unavoidable for a long time, and they just kind of dropped off from a lot of places. They're still around. Yeah, you can still go to Target and get one. You can still find them, but... Ancestry DNA, there's there's a bunch of companies. There, it kind of became like a little cottage industry, but uh, there's there's still a bunch out there, and mm. none of them are worth it. They all do the same shit. Um, and I like, I like doing this guy as a one-off because it kind of seeds, it seeds the garden, uh, for future topics. It kind of, we start talking about pharmaceutical companies, we start talking about insurance companies and, uh, you know, military contractors, people who are going, who see a real value in not only buying this data, but implementing it and, uh, using it as a cudgel, uh, against the people who provide it in the first place. Yep. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna have a. Uh, I'm gonna have a series eventually. I'm getting a book coming within the next week or two about Sacklers and uh, OxyContin and Purdue Pharmaceuticals and everything. So there will definitely be something coming with that. Awesome. Well, yeah. uh, as far as our call to action in this episode goes, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say it's probably gonna end up going something like, "Don't spit in the cup." Don't come in anything that you wouldn't want to get pregnant call to action is understand that your body and everything that it makes is your property period end of story number two is because it is your property and it is considered property that means it has value so don't just give it a fucking way for free or don't even or don't pay for it like don't don't pay to have somebody take it from you um and number three uh again don't make it fucking easy for them. Why are you making it easy? They, obviously, I have a fucking cell phone in my pocket. I have social media. I'm, I'm a little fucking neoliberal bug person. I track all my places. I fucking check in. I do all the things. I know that, that I'm supposed to do. I know. Fucking give out my credit card on the internet. Who cares? But, like, you don't have to go that far. <laughs> don't let them make a clone of you, like, because you wanted to figure out if you're a Hufflepuff or not. Like, it's not worth it. And, and we don't really mention it in the episode too much, uh, but it's something I put in my notes. Um, like, 23andMe, it makes a lot of sense that they donated to the Democratic Party, especially, not just because they saw um, the strategic uh, opportunity there that, oh, they're probably going to you know get in power, they're probably going to be in charge, but also with the fact that, um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, like, liberals and progressives have gotten to this point within, like, these woke arguments where they're starting to be like you're a light-skinned black person so you have light skin privilege and people black people with darker skin have less privilege and that means that you need to acknowledge your privilege privilege even when you're in an all-black space and like they're starting to do this thing where they're like breaking down your identity by fractions and going like oh you're not they're doing the you're not black enough thing to people they're doing the you're not like latino enough thing like 
Oh, they're doing what the CIA did during Co-Intel Pro, where they just made, you know, leftists argue about minor differences between them and, you know, use that as a distraction to essentially halt all meaningful leftist movement in the United States for a hundred years or so. Yeah, and it's and it's not just that. It's, like, the same shit as, like, phrenology and, like, fucking race science. They're doing race science. It's like, you're not Irish enough to hate Margaret Thatcher. It's shit like that. It's like, come on. Like... You don't need to be Irish to hate Margaret Thatcher. You just need eyes. And for like, and for like the the light skin versus dark skin privilege, obviously colorism does exist. Like we're not saying it doesn't, but what we're saying is that um, when a police officer is fucking caving your brain in with a baton, he's probably not going, "Oh, you're a light skin. I'm gonna hit you one less time." No, he's probably not doing that. Like when it really comes to like the boot heel of the state and of capitalism, like crushing your organs and like physically destroying you um they probably don't care if your grandma was white or if your grandparents came from the white part of cuba or the darker part of cuba probably doesn't matter they're probably going to treat you the same uh so maybe we don't talk about that uh as like a stopping point for conversation and we we talk about broader issues and what connects us and then once we have a commonality, once we have some comradeship, once we're compatriots in a common cause, then we can talk about that stuff. I'm not saying to be silent or to censor yourself, but, like, maybe we think about what's important. I think, you know, obviously black liberation is at the forefront of leftist politics because it's rising, it's raising all workers and all working class people, but when we talk about these companies they aren't making the distinction they aren't saying we're only going to you know oppress you we're only going to give these organizations the means to hurt this specific group of people they're they're diming on all of us they don't care who they feed into the wood chipper because they're getting money out the other end regardless we shouldn't care either yeah so that was uh I was 23 and me, everybody. Yeah, that, was, uh, that was this week's episode of Worst in the Industry podcast. Yeah, you can uh, follow us on Twitter, at WittyPod. You can follow us on uh, Instagram, which is at Worst in the Industry. Uh, is there anywhere else? Uh, worst in the Industry Pod at gmail.com if you want to tell us our dick jokes aren't funny. Yeah, uh, um, reach out if you have any stories of uh, you know malicious compliance, petty revenge, or just uh, having a shitty employer. Your anonymity guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, just we, send us we, an email. We want to do a, uh, if if not a whole show, at least a segment on listener experiences and workplace experiences. So yeah, let us know. Yeah, and even DM that, us. like if yeah, if you guys just want to send us an email, I mean, human interaction's always good. Uh, we know we got some listeners now, and uh, we want to know what you guys want and uh, what you know what you guys think and uh, what's going on. We won't do anything on live leak. It's not in our contract. Yeah, it's not in our contract to do anything on Lively currently. But that might change. Might change. Who's to say? For the right price. Well, we'll talk to you all next week. Bye. 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 I love you.